0: It's going to be a good day. I'm excited. God gave me a word, and it's going to be good. If you got a Bible or a phone, take out your Bible or your phone today. Um, Go with me uh, to 1 Kings uh, chapter 17. Got a joke, though, today. Oh, oh, I forgot. I forgot we got to pass out some stuff. Can we pass out those things real quick, Steph? Is that okay? Everybody, you are going to get a piece of chocolate. And you're also going to get a cup with some water, okay? Don't eat the chocolate. Don't drink the water. But tell all of your friends, say, listen, my church gives out chocolate. My church is better than your church. So um, you need to come to my church because you get chocolate at my church. So you're going to get a piece of chocolate, and you're going to get a cup of water. I just need you to hold on to it. It's an interactive service today, Okay. Mind-blowing stuff at Elevate Church this morning, okay? Interactive, chocolate, cups with water. It doesn't get much better, people, okay, at all. So it's going to be good. I promise you that. Okay, as they're passing this out, I got a joke this morning. Is that okay? Is that all right? We can laugh in church. Is that okay? Here we go. Depends Depends on the joke, Shannon says. Here we go. All right. Jesus and Satan were having an ongoing argument about who was better on computers. Anybody a whiz on computers? I am. Sometimes, sometimes not. Sometimes I want to throw my computer. I don't know if you guys feel that way. But the uh, the story goes on to say that the day came where God was so tired of them bickering and arguing and fighting about this topic. He said, cool it. I'm going to set up a two-hour test, okay? And we're going to find out who is the better one on the computer, okay? Okay goes on to say, so Satan and Jesus sat down at the keyboard, started typing. They started moving the mouse, started making spreadsheets, writing reports, sending faxes, sending emails, sending emails with attachments, downloading, and doing anything possible to man on the, commu- on the computer. But then about 10 minutes left when the time was up, lightning struck across the sky. Thunder rolled, rain poured down, and of course, the electricity went out, and the computer shut off. Satan looked at his black screen and started screaming every curse word in the underworld. Jesus just simply sighed to himself, okay? The electricity finally flickers back on, restores the computer. Satan screeches out, screaming, it's gone. It's gone. I've lost everything. Meanwhile, Jesus sat quietly at the computer and started printing off what he had produced over the last two hours. Satan yelled, wait, 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 he cheated. How did he do this? And God shrugged his shoulders and said, Jesus saves. Ah! (laughs) I know, listen, listen, I should be charging for this stuff. I know, I'm just that good. You're like, man, Pastor Jeff, Whew, that was that was good you like that don't you you're gonna t- listen I promise you you're gonna tell somebody that okay um, all right got your Bibles open, Um, you can also take notes on the back of those cool things that Jess made, those cool bulletin handout things, you can take notes if you're taking notes, write down everything changes today, that's the title of my message everything changes today and I I say that because, you know I really truly believe that we gotta have some anticipation for God to move okay, I know that in life we get into these routines and we get into these routines in church life, you know where we come week after week and um, I I just don't think we always have this great expectation for God to speak something to your heart. You know, I grew up in church. We went on Sundays. We went Sunday nights. We went Wednesday night. We were at Tuesday prayer. And eventually growing up, it just became routine and it got into a rut. And I really don't want our church to ever become that. I want there to be a healthy expectation of God's going to speak to my heart today and God's going to bring me to a new level of victory. And so it's important to have that. Romans chapter 8 verse 28, we're going to throw it on the screen for you. It says this, and now we know that God causes everything to work together. Say, look at your neighbor, say everything. Everything's going to work out. Everything, everything's coming together. Everything's working together. Okay, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And again, look at your neighbor and say, good things are coming, okay? Got to say with, like, intensity, good things, good things. Shannon, come on, say it to your neighbor, good things. No, you didn't, no. (laughs) Good things are coming your way. Isn't it great that we serve a God that has good things planned for your life? And that's really good to know, okay? It's really good to know that we don't serve a God that is angry, frustrated, upset, downtrodden about your life, but he is setting up your future with good things. And he is working out all the details and the plans of your life to get you to places that he dreamt about from the moment you were born. Moment you were born, Ashley, dreamt about it. He had moments set up that he goes, I'm going to bring you to a great place of victory, okay? Now, God is doing the same thing in this passage in 1 Kings, in Elijah's life, okay? And we last week took a look at Elijah's life, okay? Elijah Chewbacca, if we wanna say. We talked about that last week. The Bible says he's hairy and he wears a leather belt. So um, what's his name? George Lucas obviously read the Bible and then wrote Star Wars. So God gets the credit for Star Wars, I guess. So, But Elijah, uh, if we remember from last week, we'll do a little recap with him, okay? Elijah... Uh, comes on the scene. Israel has a new king, Ahab, and he marries terribly. He meets Jezebel, and Jezebel is trying to import and export some god. She's trying to import the god of Baal and export the god of uh, uh, the God of Israel. And uh, King Ahab is not being obedient. He's following and worshiping different gods, and they're going into a horrible, horrible place, and all of a sudden, this prophet that God sends, Elijah comes on the scene. He storms into the king's office. He says, listen, no rain, no dew, no water, nothing until I give the sign, okay, and boom, he's gone. God takes him to a brook, All of a sudden, he's being fed by ravens, which is disgusting, but God is providing for him through ravens and through the brook. And all of a sudden, this moment happens where we catch up with a story in uh, chapter 17 where the brook dries up. The provision that God had brought for Elijah to drink water from the brook and then to have food that the ravens came it dried up, and I don't know about you, but I've had moments like this, and we all, I believe, have moments like this where God's provision dries up in a certain area, and we think, oh gosh, what am I going to do? Where are we going to go? How are we going to handle this? And a lot of times, that's just God going, I got a new vein. I got a new stream. I got a new road. I got a new direction that I want to take your life. I, I know how to provide for you. I mean, let's make this abundantly clear. God always has a plan For what he's put into motion okay he's never thrown off by moments that throw us off okay and so the brook dries up and so we pick up the story in uh first kings chapter 17 verse 8 the lord says to elijah go to the village the city uh, by sedan i have instructed a widow there to feed you okay so he goes and he arrives at the gates of the village and he saw the widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little cup of water? Now this is really huge, okay? Remember, they're in the middle of a drought. They're in the middle of famine, okay? Water is a precious resource. It's a very precious economy, okay? And so he's asking this woman to give him something that's very precious to her and her family, okay? Okay? He asked her, will you please give me some water, verse 11. As she was going to get it, he called out to her, bring me a bite of bread also, verse 12. But she said, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't even have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left in a jar, a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug, and I was gathering a few sticks together to make our last meal, and then my son and I will die, okay, okay? so interesting. She is speaking out what the enemy is feeding her. Amen. Okay. The enemy will pull up a seat at your table and he will start speaking things that are lies, not from God, but from hell about your future. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where, you know, the enemy will go, man, your marriage, man, that's not going to last. There's no way that's going to succeed. Or there's a moment where you're looking at a financial need in your life and he's going, yep, this is the end. This is where it's all going to fall apart, or you're having a situation at work, and he goes, yep, you're going to lose your job here. You know, you know, let me make this abundantly clear. That is not the Lord speaking into your life. That is the enemy speaking a lie into your mind, into your soul, and this lady has now believed it. She's, she's going, we're going to make our last meal. We don't have much left, I'm going to make one last meal, and then all of a sudden, me and my son, we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. And Elijah goes, nope, you're not going to die, okay? He says this. Um, Verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Isn't it amazing? We see that through the whole entire Bible. Angels say that all the time. They come to people and go, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's got a plan. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and make just as you were going to do. But make a little bread for me First, and then use what's left to uh, prepare a meal for you and your son. Isn't it interesting? He asked her to make it for him first. Okay, this is a picture of how God works. God is always first, okay, putting him first and foremost. Okay, verse 14, for this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There will always be enough oil left in the containers until the time the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Verse 15, so she did as Elijah said. And she made Elijah and her family. Uh, Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Verse 16: There was always enough flour and oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. This is a promise that God gave Elijah, but this is also a promise that God gave us. I'll never forget last November. Okay, it's the second week of our church's existence. We're actually at Little Miami High School. That's where the church originally first, first started. We were only there for five weeks. Um, it was not where God ultimately wanted us. We started there, but God had a different plan. I'll be honest with you, after those five weeks, it was God's grace that we continued. I, I mean, I promise you, because things weren't going as planned and things didn't look like I thought they needed to look, and I was freaking out. I had fear. I had doubt. There wasn't many nights that I was sleeping through the night, and I was so worried and so upset about what was happening and what I wasn't seeing, and it was tough, and I'll never forget, though, the second week, the second week of service, um, you know, uh, Mark, my father-in-law, he's not here, but he always takes the offering. I don't touch any of that. He takes it and counts it and does all that. And and I'll, I'll, he'll just send me on Monday a report on what Tino looks like. And he sent me a report, and it was $350, okay? Now, at the time when we were at the school, the school alone cost $1,200 a weekend, okay? And so $350 bucks does not go very far when you're trying to pay the school bill and other things that the church needed. And I remember I was just devastated. I was just rocked to my core. And I thought, oh, God, you've really done it this time. You have left us. You have forsaken us. Where are you, God? Kind of like, all right, well, we had our last service. Now we're going to shut the church up, and I don't know where we're going to go. Okay, And I'm just in one of those moments, and I'll never forget that Monday night, the Lord said, open up the Bible. And I said, all right, God, where do you want to go? He goes, go to 1 Kings chapter 17. And I read this very passage. And the Lord spoke to my heart so clearly. He said, listen, if you'll put me first in your own life and you'll put me first in the church's life, I promise you the containers will never run dry, ever. You will always have what you need, when you need it, when you got to have it. And I can assure you, that over the next, during that month of November, the month of December, the month of January, the month of February, it was unbelievable. So many moments where the church needed an exact amount and money would come in from, I don't even remember where. I mean, I could write a book. I remember I started writing down, journaling where money would come from. I remember somebody heard, I remember it was right around Christmas time, somebody heard from somebody that heard from somebody that heard from somebody, and it got to a pastor in a church that I've never met, I've never met this pastor, I've never seen anybody in this church, and I'll never forget, I went out to the mailbox, and there was a check from this church for the exact amount that we needed for that week, the exact, to the dollar, to the penny, the exact amount that we needed, and the Lord was faithfully showing me, listen, son, I always got your back, this is my promise, I have everything that you need always. As long as you keep me first, I will make sure that the containers never run dry. This is God's promise. This is who God is in and through us and for us. Go with me to uh, chapter 18 now, okay? Chapter 18. Sorry, I gotta get my, my notes together here. Chapter 18 Verse 1, on the third year of the drought, okay, it says this, meanwhile, the famine had become so severe, okay, so it gotten to a place now that people are trying to make decisions. Are we going to save the cattle? Are we going to save the horses? Are we going to save more water for people? They're running out. They're coming to an end. And I don't know if you've ever been at a place like that, but I know I've been at places like that where you're coming to what we would call like the fork in the road, you know what I mean? That place where we're going, what are we gonna do? How is God gonna provide? How is is this situation going to change? We're getting to this proverbial fork in the road and this is exactly where Israel is at because of the disobedience of King Ahab and Jezebel and the worshiping of false idols and and they're right in this moment, okay? And so the famine is bad, things are going wrong and we're gonna skip ahead now and we're gonna start looking at verse 17, verse 17. The Bible says this. When Ahab saw Elijah, he looked at him and said, you troublemaker of Israel. Verse 18. You've made trouble. No, I'm sorry. Elijah replies, I've made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers. You who have uh, refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshiped the God of Baal. Verse 19. So summon all of Israel, and we're going to meet on Mount Carmel, okay, so take out your piece of caramel, take out your candy, okay, you can take out your candy, you can open that up, you can eat this thing, I know, aren't these things just the best things ever? I swear, I could eat like a whole box of these things, seriously, I mean, I would just sit in front of the TV and eat these things, guy. now, here's the deal, the truth is, you will not forget this message ever because you just ate chocolate and caramel and it was good. There's 10 times a better chance that you will not forget this message. Isn't that good, Bill? Mm, Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So Elijah says this. He goes, listen, gather all of Israel, okay? And I want you to gather all the prophets, okay? I want you to gather all of the prophets of Baal and all the prophets of Jezebel and we're going to meet on Mount Carmel, okay? Now, Mount Carmel was known to believe this is where the God of Baal resides. So Elijah's going, listen, we're going to go to your home turf, God of Baal, okay? And we're going to have a showdown, okay? And we're going to find out who is the one and true and only God, and we're going to have a throwdown moment. Okay, it's like a throw down in the backyard, you know what I mean? Put a line in the sand, we're facing off, it's a gun battle, old school, western style. Maybe that's where it all came from, came from the Bible. So God says, we're going to throw down, summon all 450 prophets of Baal, summon the 400 prophets of Jezebel, and we're going to meet on the mountain. We're going to skip ahead to verse 22. Elijah said to them, to the 400 prophets and the people of Israel, listen, you're going to get a bull and we're going to get a bull. You're going to get an altar and we're going to get an altar you're going to cut up your bowl and we're going to cut up our bowl. You're going to put your bowl on your altar. We're going to put our bowl on our altar. And then we're going to give two opportunities. You're going to call on your God. And then I'm going to call on my God. And we're going to figure out who's God. Because the God that is true, the one and only God is going to rain down fire and is going to burn up these altars. Okay. And so Elijah goes, hey, here's the deal home field advantage, go ahead first. So the prophets, they cut up their bull, they put it on the altar, and the Bible says this, that they start crying out, verse 26, they called on the name of Baal from morning till new time, asking Baal to answer them, but there was no reply of any kind. So they started dancing and hopping around the altar, and about noontime, Elijah started to mock them. Isn't that funny? You have biblical justification to mock people from now on, okay? So if you ever need justification, there it is for you right there in the Bible. Elijah starts mocking them. He says, surely, is your God daydreaming? Is he asleep? He even goes on, he says, is your God, what does he say? He says, is your God relieving himself is his pants around his ankles like what's up with your God you know we're on your home field I gave you first opportunity you've been calling on him for hours and hours and no response at all so they started to shout louder calling on their God following their customs. They started cutting themselves with knives and swords and pouring out the blood. Don't, aren't you so glad that you serve a God that already did that for you? Jesus Christ, he shed his blood, the perfect blood of Jesus Christ for your sins. We don't have to shed our blood. We don't have to give our lives because we serve a good God that already did it for us, And so they start following their customs, and they're doing everything that they know to do, and guess what? No response, no response, no response. So this is what Elijah does. Elijah says, okay, we're going to build our altar. And so Elijah starts to rebuild the altars that they had been torn down, okay? Because they had torn down the altars of the Lord to worship a false god. And so Elijah starts rebuilding the altar and he starts taking 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes that God had set up. And he's rebuilding the altar of the Lord in front of the people who are now serving a different God. He's making sure they understand this is the altar of the Lord. This is God's altar. And he cuts up his bowl, and he puts it into pieces, and he puts it upon the altar, and then all of a sudden he does something crazy. He starts digging a trench around the altar. Okay? And now, can you imagine people that are there for this an amazing event thinking, what is he doing? What's he, why is he digging a trench? There's no water there's no rain. What is he going to do? I mean, how's this trench going to fill up? And so he digs a trench around the altar. He piles up the wood. He puts the bowl on top of it, the wood. And then he says this. He says, fill up four large jugs of water, and we're going to pour them on the altar. So he does something crazy, okay? Mm-hmm. So grab your cup right now, okay? Grab your cup, all right? All right, who's got red cups? Okay, red cups, okay. So he says, hey, we need to gather some water, okay? Now, remember, this is really interesting. They're at the end of a drought. What's the most valuable possession that they own in this moment? Water, okay? Now, think about this. You ever thought about this story and thought, how did water get to the top of a mountain, okay? Water just doesn't flow at the tops of mountains. Well, it's like this. They weren't, you know, they had to travel from their villages and their towns. They summoned all the people together. So if you were going to go on a trip, what would you do? You would pack some food, you'd pack some water, you'd pack some supplies because we're going on this journey and we're going to go to the top of the mountain, correct? And so all of a sudden, all the people are at the top of the mountain and all of a sudden Elijah goes, hey, we need some water. So what is he asking for? He's asking for Israel's water, the most prized possession that they own at that moment. So, if you got a red cup, we're going to throw the water into the red cup. Who's got red cups? Red cups, you know, and we're thinking, man, we party at Elevate Church. Red cups at Elevate Church? What kind of a church? is this so they started to pour out their water onto you know I don't know what they had but I have this today you know and they're pouring it out and everybody's taking their water the last bit of resource that they possibly have they're pouring it in there pouring it in there we got one more they pour it in there and then what does Elijah do to their dismay he takes it and he pours it on the altar can you imagine Standing there thinking to yourselves, we're going to die, people. I mean, could you imagine the crowd thinking, what is this crazy man doing? He has been in the wilderness way too long. The sun has gotten to him. That beard, if there's animals living in his beard. I'm sure there is. He's very hairy. Are you sure we can trust him? So he collects water, pours it on the altar one time. And then guess what? He goes, hey, we need more water silver cups, okay, everybody started pouring out more water, more water into the basins, they're filling it up, they're thinking, oh my gosh, what are we doing, this is the end of us, surely, we're gonna die, surely, this cannot be God's plan for provision, this cannot be happening, I don't know why we're doing this, but they pour it in, and guess what happens again, he pours it out again on the altar, and then all of a sudden, what, we got gold cups? Gold, we got gold cups. Oh, you didn't give your water? You held back from God today? Oh, my gosh. All right, and then we took. We have gold cups. All of a sudden, their last group of people, they're going, hey, we need every last bit of water, every last bit of it. We're not going to give water to the animals. No water for people. No water for women and children. This is, this is the end. We need every last drop of water gold cups gold cups got gold cups there we go gold cups we need every last bit and they collect it all they collect it all and elijah pours the water onto the altar and he's trying to prove a point to israel to all the prophets to everybody there today is the day that you will all know and you will all see that there is one God and there is only one God. And the God that I serve and the God that I obey is the God. And we are going to prove it today. Verse 34 says this, after they had done all this, the same thing again. And they did it a third time. Verse 35, the water ran around the altar and filled the trench. At the unusual time of the offering and the sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked out to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove that today that you are God of Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this that you have commanded. Verse 37, O Lord, answer me that the people will know that you are God. And that the God that has brought them back to yourself. Earlier in that passage, Elisha says to Israel, he says this. He makes a command. He says, listen, today you're going to choose. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve Baal? Who are you going to serve? Today we're going to find out. Are you serving this false God or are you serving the God? And it's the same thing in 2016. God goes, are you going to serve man or are you going to serve me? Are you going to serve your own dreams and ambitions, or are you going to serve me? Are you going to serve your own plans, or are you going to serve me? And so Elijah says, God of Israel, stand up, show these people who you are. Verse 38, immediately fire from the Lord flashed down from the heavens, burned up the young bull, the wood, the stone, even the dust, and it licked up the water in the trench that he poured the water into. Verse 39, all, all, look at your name and say all, look at him and say all, all, all the people, all the people of Israel, okay? All the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground, they cried out, Lord God, yes, he is Lord God, yes, he is the Lord God. Elijah commanded to seize all the prophets, they didn't let one of the prophets of Baal go, and then guess what he did? He slaughtered them all. Why? Because, God says there is one God. There's only one true God, okay? And you choose today, Israel, who are you going to serve? Now, it's interesting. In both stories, we see the same thing happening, right? Taking the most precious, valuable possession that they have. The woman, it's her last bit of water, it's our last bit of flour. It's our last bit of resource. And God asks for it. Again, in chapter, uh, chapter 18, what are we looking at? The last bit of resource, the last bit of water, the last bit going, here you go, God. I'm giving it to you. What, what is God doing? God is showing us some ingredients to victory in life. Okay, I got to brag on my wife. I don't know where she went to. She's probably with Luke right now, okay? She made the best meal that she's made in the 13 years that we've ever been married this week, okay? I promise you, it was, fan- yeah, Michael's clapping for his mom right now because she made an amazing, amazing meal, okay? She made, I think it was chicken, thighs, and potatoes in a crock pot, okay? So she had some, um what is it, oriental sauce, what is it, Um, soy sauce, there we go, she had some soy sauce, she had, I know, look at me, she had some soy sauce, she had some barbecue sauce in there, she had some honey, she had some spices, she put it all together, it cooked in the crock pot, and I'm telling you, the meat just fell off the bones, it was juicy, it was spicy, it was tender, it was fantastic, okay, now the truth is this, She couldn't just throw chicken and potatoes in the crock pot and go, cook, there you go. Why? Because it wasn't the full ingredients, right? When you're making a meal and you want it to be a good meal, you got to have all the right ingredients, correct? And so God is showing us through this story, through these passages, hey, there are some ingredients to life to live in the victory that I want you to people always come to me and say, okay, I'm not experiencing the victory you talk about all the time. I'm not experiencing the peace you talk about all the time. I'm not experiencing the joy. I'm not experiencing the favor. I'm not experiencing everything you talk about. Help me understand this. I don't, I don't get it. And a lot of times it frustrates them. And I'll go, listen, I feel for you. I love you. I'm with you. But you gotta understand something that you don't have all the right ingredients in the pot right now. Our pastor in Michigan. Pastor Jeff and Beth, they would always talk about life being like a crock pot. And I always go, is this a Forrest Gump story? You know, like, where are we going with this? And they would go, life is like a crock pot. You're in the crock pot and God's adding some ingredients from here and a little bit of ingredients from over here. And then God's adding some spices from over here because he's trying to cook this great meal of your life and bring you to this great place of victory in life. But you got to have all the ingredients together. And there are things that God put in the word of God, their promises and their truths that if we ignore and we deny them and we choose to serve man and we choose to serve our own purposes, we choose to serve our own will, we don't have the right ingredients in the pot for God to bring us to the places of victory in life that we're wanting to go, amen? We gotta get the right ingredients in there. God's asking for what is precious. What is precious to us today? Number one, time. Number two, money. These are the things that are valuable, the things that are precious. And so what does God do? He goes, hey, um, I need your time. I need you to be a part of the body of Christ. The New Testament talks about it's the body of Christ, right? And that God places people into the body as he sees fit. Why is God placing people into the body of Christ? Because he's going, I need you. I need your gifts. I need your talents. I need your love. I need your grace. I need the things that I've put inside of you because I'm trying to grow the body. Listen, churches grow because people get involved in the body of Christ, They see that God wants to utilize them and utilize their gifts. One of my favorite things that I always hear about people that come to our church for the very first time, they always go, man, the people in your church are so kind and loving. I go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The body looks good. The body looks good. But God's always trying to add more to the body of Christ. And I know exactly what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, I got so much stuff to do already. How am I supposed to serve? Man, if, if you only knew my week, if you only knew how much time I'm trying to divvy up you know, we got the pie of life and the time in, in life. And I got this sliver for work. And I got this sliver for my husband. I got this sliver for my wife. I got this sliver for my kids. And I got this sliver for some friends. And I got this sliver for the Bengals. Or, you know, I got this sliver for whatever, you know. And, we, and we're dividing up our life and our time. And I know that so often we look at it and go, how in the world could I give more time? How could I let go of time? It's almost like I need more time. I mean, half the time, I'm like, man, God, if I could just have like double the days, if I could have two Mondays, if I could have two Tuesdays. I mean, I felt that this week. Me and Jess, we went to dinner with five different couples from the church this week. We did six tables. I prepared a message. I've been working on financial things for the church this week. Um, I just felt like all week, I'll be honest with you, I felt like I was a horrible dad to my kids. I just felt like, man, if I could have more time this week. I get it. I understand it. I I feel it. But God goes, I need you. I need you. If we're going to accomplish what I want to do before I come back, before I come back to earth, I'm going to need you. I'm going to need those giftings inside of you. I need your time. And then God goes, hey, by the way, I also, I need your 10%. Not a part of your income, not what's left over, but I need your ten percent. Bring it to the storehouse, and, and I want to make this abundantly clear, abundantly clear, that when we give, at elevate church. Me and Justice's salary don't—it doesn't increase because you're giving more. It is what it is. It's set. We have a board that oversees it. They know it. God provides for us. God has been so incredibly faithful. To me and Jess over there. We've trusted him, put him first. We have tithed consistently now for years, and God has been more than faithful to me and my family. But why do we bring the tithes to the storehouse then? What's the purpose? So that we can reach the world, so that we can reach people so that we can give to the poor so that we can give to the downtrodden so that we can go and reach into a city and go here let me be a part of what's happening one of my favorite stories in the world is last year there's this church in North Carolina called elevate or elevation church they wrote the city of charlotte a check for 2.5 million dollars last year and said do what you need with it they blessed their city what happens when you bless a city? When you get influence in a city. You get authority in a city. You get opportunity in a city. When we bring the tithe into the storehouse, we get to sow in people like Oscar. We get to sow into kids around the world that are naked and hungry, and they're living on the streets. But guess what? God lifts them off the ground. God lifts them out of their situation and goes, I got a hope and a plan and a future for you. When we bring the tithe into the storehouse, God's kingdom is able to advance. Now, again, I know exactly where the enemy takes you. You go, man, man, Pastor Jeff, if you only saw my finances, it's already tight. We're barely making it. We're barely scraping enough to pull the bills together. We're barely scraping enough to get by. And I, trust me, I get that. There was listen there was a day in a time where Jess and I when we were we were young youth pastors and when you're a young youth pastor you don't make much money let's just be incredibly real about that and we were young youth pastors and our finances got flipped upside down really quick and we started pseudo giving like when we had some extra and how many know that extra wasn't there a whole lot okay and and we were we were not tithing we were not putting the kingdom of god first i'll never forget we had a pastor in that church the holy spirit woke him up in the night he said you need to go check the tithing records of the staff checked everybody's tithing record sure enough whose wasn't tithing bing 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 pastor jeff's wasn't tithing called us out sat down with us wonderful man of grace, wonderful man of mercy. He forgave us, God forgave us, and we started the process of really, truly trusting the Lord. We started tithing. We started tithing when we didn't have money to tithe. Trust me, we didn't have money to tithe. There was times the lights got shut out, and we were like, you know what? That's all right. God's good. God's faithful, we're going to tithe. We're going to sow into the kingdom of God because we now see that God's good plan for us. And I understand the enemy comes and he goes, there's no way you can do this. There's no no possible way. This makes zero sense. It made zero sense to throw water on the altar. It made zero sense for the woman to cook the meal before she made the meal for her and her son. It made zero sense to take the little resource that they had and go, all right, God, here you go. How, you think to yourself, how can God bless 90% when I can't even make it on 100%? How's God going to do this? I'll never forget, after we started tithing, we're youth pastors, God's blessing the ministry and, and, and the youth group's growing, and we're at this church, and we always got young leaders, okay? Young people that would come to our church, and they would, you know, be in their 20s. And a lot of times, they were just like, like, they just said, like, I love you, Jesus. And then they're like, all right, now go serve, okay? That was like a mandate in our church. I mean, we had, this is a true stat, we had 70% of our church serving, which is crazy, most churches are like 15% to 20%. And that's a good church, too. So we would get these new leaders in the youth ministry. And so I got this young couple named Cliff and Shaley. Okay? And Cliff and Shaley are young. They're professionals. They're great. They're helping. They're serving. And one day they called me up, and they're like, hey, PJ, because that's what everybody called me back then. They said, can we go out to dinner? And I said, yeah. And I said, sure. So we'll go out to dinner and we're having dinner, and I go, is everything all right? You know, like, are you happy? Are you having fun serving? They said, yeah, we're having a great time serving. We love the kids. We love you guys. You guys are doing a great job. But we got to talk to you about something. And we said, okay, what do we got to talk about? They said, they said, well, we hear you preach on, on Sunday nights to the youth kids about tithing. And I said, yeah. I said, it's so cool. I said, we got all these high school kids Tithing right now, and they're getting like promotions at McDonald's. Like, I kid you not. I remember we had kids in our youth ministry in high school that were getting like assistant manager jobs. God was blessing them. These kids were grabbing onto this and they were putting the Lord first. Marissa remembers she was there uh, God was doing super things. I remember like we would have youth service offerings that would be like $1,500. And you got to understand for a youth service offering to be $1,500, it was like a Jesus miracle. Like he had reopened the tomb and came back out. You know what I mean? Like, but God was doing cool things. So they said to me, they said, Hey, um, we need to talk to you about this Titan thing. I said, okay, well, let's talk about it. And they said, well, you know, our positions? And I said, yeah, I do. Shaylee worked for a company called Stryker. Stryker makes medical tools, okay? So, most of the medical tools that are in most hospitals come from this company called Stryker. Most of the beds that are in hospitals come from Stryker. She was the top sales position in Stryker's organization. I'll never forget. She came to me one day, and she said, hey, Jeff, um, I got I to gotta offer you something. She goes, I'm putting a new sales team together, and she said, you could sell anything to anybody. I need you, and the start-off salary starts at 90000 a year. Now, I'm a youth pastor making like $35,000 a year, and I'm like, oh, God, oh, Jesus, please tell me this is your will for my life right now, you know, and so she offered me a start-off at ninety, and she's the top sales. Now her husband also works for the company also. He is one of the heads of engineering at Stryker. So together, they're making some loot, okay? Let's just call it what it is. They, and they said that to me. They're like, they're, they go, Jeff, they go, do you know how much we'd have to tithe? And I remember I just laughed. I was like, it's a lot of money, isn't it? You know what I mean? I'm like, I, was just, I, I was like, okay, I, I totally get it. They said, and then they looked at me really serious, and they go, do you believe in this? It was like Mount Carmel, throwing down the gauntlet. Do you believe in this? And I said, yeah, I do believe in this because I make $35,000 a year, but I don't live like I make $35,000 a year. And my kids don't live like I make $35,000 a year. And I have no idea how we have what we have. And I have no idea how God moves like he moves. I remember Christmases where I remember at Christmas we got a, a envelope in our mailbox, straight cash, no name on it, and there was $2,000 in there. It made our whole Christmas. We didn't have a dime for Christmas presents. And it made our whole Christmas. And I said, Shaley Cliff, I believe it 100% in my life. I have seen God's faithfulness. I have seen who he is. He is faithful. And I believe it. And so she said to me, she goes, okay, I'll give it one year. I'll give it one year. I go, okay. So the year goes on. They're serving with us. I forget about this whole conversation, okay? One day I get a call from Cliff and Shaylee. She is like panicked on the phone. She's like, we've got to meet tonight. We've got to get together. And I'm like, oh, man, does something go wrong? Did somebody pass away in the family? So I'm driving to their house at night, and sure enough, the enemy reminds me of that conversation that I had with them a year ago. I go, oh, my gosh, it's like a year, isn't it? I'm like, I'm going to their house right now. They're probably going to talk to me about tithing this year like and the enemy's telling me the whole time he's like you know what it didn't work I promise you it didn't work I promise you you're going to have a horrible conversation with them so I pull up in the house and I me mean, my hands are sweating and I am shaky and my voice is shaky and I'm like what's going on guys you know and and I remember they sat down to me and they said they said PJ they go we got to tell you something she goes we did our taxes. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it is all coming together now. You've tied for the last year, your finances got mixed up, and now you did your taxes, and now you're going to tell me that you owe thousands and thousands of dollars to the government, and you want my head on a platter. That is why you brought me to your house. I am the sacred, you know, the slain you know, goat that's going to, or, or, or sheep that's going to be slain here today, because it didn't work. And I remember she goes, we did him three times. I'm like, oh, gosh, you got to be joking me. It, it's that, in my mind, I'm like, it's that bad that you did him three times. She goes, we did him once, and we couldn't believe it. We did it again, and we couldn't believe it. And we did it again, and we couldn't believe it. And we sat down with our accountant, and he couldn't believe it. I go, well, what's going on? You know, like, at this point, I'm, like, going to burst, you know. I'm, like, freaking out and like She goes, PJ. We're getting $21,000 back in our refund. She goes, how did it happen? I said, God's super faithful. I said, his word never. His word never lies. I didn't take one bit of that credit. None of it was mine. It was all the Lord's. It was the Lord's credit. That same young family, same young family, a couple years ago, they wrote a check to that church we used to be a part of, an offering check. They had a building fund, a $250,000 check they wrote, offering. Because they saw God's goodness. They saw God's faithfulness. They saw how incredible the Lord God is and always is. Matt, can you come on up? Everybody, you can stand on up with me Uh, this morning. Can you play behind me? Is that all right? Throw that verse, verse 38, back up this morning. Verse 38 says this. And immediately fire flashed down. The Lord flashed fire down from the heavens and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. And even licked up all the water in the trench. Verse 39. And when all the people saw, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord God, he is God. Yes, the Lord God, he is God. Listen. I got to be completely honest with you. There is nothing... That the enemy gets me to fear more than preaching this message today. Nothing. I mean, nothing. I could preach anything in this book with 100% confidence, but when it comes to talking about people's time and money, you know, as a pastor, man, you're you're stepping into people's lives. You're stepping into their world. And you're asking them to trust the Lord in extraordinary ways. So when the Lord spoke to my heart a couple weeks ago, and he said, hey, I want you to start preaching out of Elijah, I knew exactly where he was going. I knew exactly what he wanted to do. I knew exactly what he was saying. But the Lord reminded me this week. He said, listen, I want people to grow, and I want them to see my goodness and when they see my goodness and they see my nature, because this is what happens when we give our time and our money. Because all of a sudden we're giving our time and we have less time. We start giving our finance and we have less finance. And we're looking at the 90 and thinking, okay, God, how are you going to do what I don't even I don't even have everything I need now with 100, but how are you going to do more with the 90? And you start trying to figure it out. I remember months ago with the church, I would sit down every month and try to figure out how we were going to pay all the bills of the church, and God would go, you're wasting your time, son. You're just wasting your time. Last night, I sat down at the end of the night. I had paid all of our bills for us personally. I paid all the church's bills for the month, and I was sitting down, and I was looking at what was left over, and I simply just said, God, how did this happen? He goes, well, you're just being faithful. And when you're faithful to the kingdom, I am surely faithful to my word. I am faithful to my word. And so what does that mean? That means God's trying to pull some people into a season of victory. God wants you victorious, and he wants you to learn his nature and his character. And who he is. And when you are faithful, he is abundantly faithful. He is such an amazing God that pours it out. Pours it out. Amen. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? I want to pray for people. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for your word and the truth of your word. Father, I thank you, God, that you bring us into seasons that we see the truth of your word and we apply it to our lives and then we head off into victory. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for showing us that you are the God, the only God, the true God, the one God. And God, I declare as a church declare as a church, God, that we will trust you, that we will put you first, and we'll never compromise us. We'll never compromise your truth. We'll never compromise your word. We will not serve man. We won't serve false gods. We won't serve false idols. We won't serve systems. We won't serve things that the world has set up, God, but we will serve your kingdom. We will put your kingdom first. We will put you always first and foremost. Because we trust you 100%, Father. I thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to pray for people, and I don't want you to raise your hand. I'm not even going to open up my eyes. But I'm going to pray because I know in my heart that there's some of you that need courage. You need strength to step out and trust the Lord in this season. Step out and trust the Lord and be obedient to his word so that he can lead you to victory. So, Father, I release courage. I release strength. I release joy. I release peace in Jesus' name. Peace where there is no peace. Understanding where there is no understanding. I thank you in the name of Jesus, God, that you bring strength to your people right now. God, as they're contemplating, as they're warning in their soul about choosing you and being obedient, I declare in the name of Jesus that your word will go deep into their hearts and it will not be robbed by the worries and the cares of life. It won't be robbed and stolen away by the enemy and his thoughts and his his perversions. It won't be stolen away today in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God. Thank you, God that this is seed that is sown into the hearts, but God is going to produce 10 times, 100 times more, Father, for your kingdom, for their lives. I thank you in the name of Jesus as they step out in faith and as they trust you, God, that you stand strong with them, that you provide. We thank you, God, for it now. We trust you, Father, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody agrees. said... Amen, amen, amen. Listen, like I said, as a pastor, these aren't always the most fun messages for me to preach, but they're the right messages. They're the right messages because it's going to lead you to great victory. And here's the deal. We want you to share your stories with us. When you have victory, we want to know about it. We have these cards at the info center. They say either prayer, pray or praise. And if you got a prayer request, fill it out. We'll pray with you. We will believe with you, I promise you. But when you have a victory, we want you to fill that out because we want to know about it. Because when you have a victory and we share that victory, we share that testimony, it's a victory for everybody. It's a victory for the whole entire church. And it builds faith. And it builds community. And it builds people strong in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we love you. We're so grateful to pastor you. We're so grateful to walk through life with you. If you need anything. If you go, you know what? I need, I just, I I don't understand all of what you were speaking about today. That's all right. We will sit down with you. We will walk through life with you. We are here for you guys. We love you. We love you. Have a great day great week. We're going to start a brand new series next week. We're going to call it The Fan, okay? It's going to be a good talk about being true fans of the Lord, and it's going to be an awesome series and good things. So I love you guys. We will see you guys next Sunday.